Welcome to From the Back Tees, a podcast where we tee it up from the back every week. Welcome to the From the Back Tees podcast. Today's Wednesday, August 25th. And before we get started, I just want to let you guys know we're brought to you by Ghost Golf. They're an exciting partner who specializes in golf accessories and clothing. They've developed a magnetic towel, which will soon become your seven irons best friend and your greenside caddy. Ghost Golf is an innovative company when it comes to golf accessories, just recently releasing their anyday golf bag and of anything from hats to golf tees for your needs. Check them out at ghostgolf.com and sign up today to receive their newsletter and be up to date on their latest releases and golf news. Welcome, everyone. Big week this week. Before we get started, though, Nolan, I know we got a really exciting guest. I'll let you do the honors. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Zach. Uh, Great guest on this week. Um, ESPN's very own uh, Bob Herrick is on with us. Bob, uh, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. You didn't have to row a boat over in that monsoon that they were having at the Northern Trust? I was starting to wonder. Uh, how, uh, how bad actually was it? I mean, was there standing water absolutely everywhere? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was in my hotel room all day Sunday. Uh, it was, uh, uh, I don't think it stopped raining from maybe Saturday night about nine o'clock until about, oh, 10 or 11 a.m. on Monday. I mean, it just never stopped. Now, where we were, the storm wasn't so bad. Like, there wasn't wind or, you know, that kind of stuff. It just never stopped raining. I mean, the golf course got seven or eight inches. It's amazing they played. Um, it just kind of goes to show you the irrigation capabilities that they have and the work they got in to be able to play golf on that course. I mean, most places would be underwater for a week after that kind of rain. So, uh, yeah, so it all, uh, all lucky for them. It worked out. Did you think they were going to manage to get it done on Monday or do you think like a Tuesday finish, would they have been able to finish on Tuesday? I don't think there's such thing. Well, it's funny. They actually changed the rules on Sunday night. Uh, normally, uh, the way it works at a regular PJ Tour event, except for the Players' Championship, is, is obviously they want to try to play 72 holes. They will only revert to 54 holes if, um, if more than half of the field does not finish on Monday. Obviously, they can play and finish on Monday. But if, if, if half the field or more finishes, then they'll go into Tuesday. If not, then they would just revert to Monday. And everybody was expecting – or actually revert to the 54-hole score. Everybody was expecting that was going to be the likely scenario, that they weren't going to be able to get in half the field on Monday. But on Sunday night, the commissioner, Jay Monahan announced that he was sort of changing the rules for the playoffs. He felt they were important enough that, um, that, that they be treated the same as the players. That in other words, you didn't have to have that stipulation of half the field finishing. So they were going to go into Tuesday if they needed to, to get that tournament done. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense for sure. I mean, in, in the playoffs, I feel like they could push everything back a couple of days you know, you could even start the next tournament on Friday if you want to give them more time. Obviously, it'll then keep pushing everything back. But Yeah, I mean, the, it, it, it worked in this case because Baltimore is not so far from New Jersey. But, I mean, right. if that tournament were in Chicago, and, you know, I don't know how easy it is to change those dates. Um, you know, the, 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 tur- the local tournament doesn't want to – doesn't want to alter its its situation either. You know they've sold tickets and and they've um, you know they've got vendors and volunteers all set to come and so that's what was so kind of uh, interesting about the decision was if it did bleed into Tuesday, now you're really impacting the next event. You know they got a pro am on Wednesday. Um, so now not everybody's going to get there. That's a new – Caves Valley is a new golf course. A lot of guys haven't seen it. You know, they wanted to get in practice rounds. So um, uh, good for them. They managed to get it done. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the happiest person out there has got to be Tony Finau. Um, <clears throat> given the result, he finally getting that elusive second win on the PGA Tour. Uh, congrats to him. That was a well-fought victory. Cam Champ was on fire. John Rom, of course, one of the – I mean, Cam one Smith. of – Cam Champ also on fire, but <laughs> – yeah. Sorry, Cam Smith. Um, I don't know why I went there, but – John Rahm, obviously the best, one of the best players in the world and uh, was able to fend them off um, and win in a playoff where he hadn't, he's been in a few playoffs, including his, his victory was in a playoff. So he seems to like the playoffs. He's winning a playoff event. The guy's, yeah. the guy's a big-time player, and he finally got it done again. And I think everyone is super happy to see that result. Yeah, because it was it, it's just uncomfortable, I think. Uh... You know, watching him come close so many times and not get it done. And, yeah. You know, if you think back to that playoff he lost to Max Homa at Riviera, you know, he clearly had the upper hand in that. Absolutely. You remember Max, Max Homa almost hit his, ball, hit, hit his tee shot on the first playoff all the time up, next, up against a tree. And it looked like, you know, Fina was going to win easily. Instead, Homa made a great par. And, uh, you know, Tony did not make a birdie, and then he lost in the next hole. He lost in a playoff to Webb Simpson last year in Phoenix. Um, You know, I was, to be honest with you, I had my doubts about him for the Ryder Cup team based on kind of a spotty summer and not winning. You know, and I think now that win has changed everything in that regard, too. You know, I think it's it's, it's fun, or I shouldn't say it's fun, but it's, Pleasing to see Tony finally get the job done after being close so many times. And, you know, there's other, other people in his, you know, same spot, you know, that have kind of maybe not to his threshold, but, but that have, have not won and have been close multiple times. And it, I think it kind of gives some hope to those players who have been there multiple, multiple, multiple times and haven't got the job done. You know, and it mm-hmm. just kind of gives dividends. How, how tough the BGA Tour is. I mean, dude, those guys, every one of them, any one of them can win on any given week. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's going up against some pretty difficult competition too. I mean, when you got Rom and Morikawa and yeah. Brooks Kepka and Bryson and, you know, there's a slew of guys. And, you know, we, we've had one of those years where it's there's there's been a lot of parity. I mean, we don't have anybody this uh, – uh, this season, not just this year, this season, going back to last September, who's won more than twice? You know, uh, for all the talk about Bryson, for all the talk about Morikawa, you know, none of them have won more than two tournaments. And, uh, you know, so now Tony's right. He's only one behind him with one to go. And uh, uh, you're right. And also, I think he's a good example of having a good attitude, you know, because uh, – uh, he has kept his head up on the, with all the questions being asked, and um, I think it's it's pretty uh, you know it says a lot about him that he's he's not you know not, never really shown any kind of a dark side or any negativity to all the you know kind of the negativity that's swirled around him. So good for him. And now he can maybe build on that. I know uh, we played a practice round with him uh, when I was still caddying out there. We played a practice round with him actually the week of. The players' championship they got canceled last year because of COVID twenty twenty, um, and I know since then he has he has made a ch- uh, caddy change. And he's the last I heard, and I didn't see any of the coverage, so I didn't see who was working for him. But a guy who used to work for Peter Uline mm. is now for him, um, and that's the last I know. Like I said, it could be could be someone different, but from what I've heard, no no change. Sometimes. There's just a fresh ear or a fresh word or something can help kind of get the ball rolling. And it's, you know, you see some guys let some, some swing coaches go from time to time. And sometimes it's just a fresh ear or a fresh, you know, something that helps kind of change the realm. And I think that Tony, at least this season, has given the, you know, he's been in tournaments and been in some uh, situations, you know, he could have won, but he's, He's kind of at least looks to me like he's able to uh, ease up a little bit. He's able to um, relax a little more in the situation, from what I've seen anyway. And it's when you get a guy in that kind of situation, you never know 
you know, how big their ceiling is. That's true. And as you would know, too, um, you know, sometimes having the, the right words spoken at the right time by the guy who's out there with you for five hours can right. make a difference. The other side of that is it always bothers me a little bit when you think that maybe a player could be scapegoating a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, ultimately it's up to him. Um, as, as important as the caddy is, uh, you know, he's not hitting the shots. And while every now and then I'm sure a caddy gives a bad yardage or gives bad advice, it maybe even happens more than a few times, you know, the player still has to do, you know, it's the player's job to take in the information and maybe question it, you know. So uh, it's interesting when that, when that dynamic kind of runs into those uh, roadblocks. 100%. There's, at the end of the day, at the end of every shot, at the end of every hole, they're still pulling the trigger. And whether they want to take the information they're given and say, okay, yeah, I feel that's correct, I feel that's right, or whether they don't want it, that's, that's their call. And you're, you're every bit, you know, correct on that. But I, I guess my point more was just sometimes that new feeling or that new – it's like when you get a new girlfriend when you're 17 years old and you kind of – you're so giddy about it, right? Sometimes that can, it can change a little thing. It's just a, <laughs> it is. I'm trying to remember back to those days. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I got to I gotta say, like, most of these guys grew up not relying on a caddy, right? I mean, they're playing, they're, they're playing golf throughout their youth into college, and then once they finally make it on the professional tour, they might get a caddy. But a lot of their experience is without a caddy, and they, they don't necessarily – uh, need to rely on a caddy so much where I agree. I think it, as much as a caddy like helps you, you should, I mean, it's ultimately the player, right? Obviously. But the fact that someone would, would blame like their poor play on a caddy or something, definitely a scapegoat route that way. But yeah, I, I agree with Reed though. Sometimes you just need a fresh face and sometimes right that fall guy ends up being your, your partner, unfortunately, but, um, a lot of times, a lot of times it is more just to get a different voice. I don't know that it's so much blaming the caddy as it is. Okay. You know, we've been doing this for a long time. Maybe we're getting tired of each other. Uh, I think <laughs> there every now and then the, the, the spouse gets involved and says, you need to change your caddy. And maybe they listen to, to the spouse. Um, you know, I, th it's an interesting topic. I mean, I, this has come up a few times, but, like, would Tiger have won any less if Steve Williams wasn't his caddy for all those years? As much as I think we all know Steve Williams helped him and Tiger gave him a lot of credit, and maybe there was a tournament or two or a putt or a, a – you know, look, the, there was, there's been a few examples of him, you know, being very, very firm about his belief in something, and, and so maybe that did make a difference. The 2008 U.S. Open stands out in the 72nd hole when, you know, when, when Stevie was very, very adamant about the, the club Tiger should hit on that third shot. But yet, if it was me caddying for Tiger, wouldn't he still have won a bunch of those tournaments? I mean, because he's the one hitting the shots and he's, he's the one who, you know, he can read a yardage book and, right. and knows, how, knows how far it is. Or certainly some, even myself could give him the right yardage. If I, if I manage account properly. So it's interesting. I mean, I, the, the, the caddy role has evolved so much. And sometimes those guys serve as sports psychologists. They serve as a coach. Um, and yet, still, it's so individual. You know, the guy hitting the shots has to have the belief. If you break it down to, and I'll leave it at this, but if you break it down to the simple figures, how often does a pro actually hit a golf shot exactly how they're thinking exactly what they're looking exactly the number they were looking judging the wind exactly the night. It, it's a game of misses right Eddie is used to say hey this spot is better than this spot let's gear towards this spot it's not saying 147 was incorrect over 145 that's a judgment call mm -hmm. it's 
oh, how cold is it? What's the wind doing? What's the elevation? How's the grass going to affect this? What's the moisture on the grass going to do? And when, when people, well, being a caddy myself, I'm, I'm a little more guarded, I guess you could say, but, but it's true. It's like you only can give them so much, right? Yep. You can't ball to go from point A to point B. And right. that's, oh, that's, you know, going back to the feed out thing, it's, I think I've always said, you get yourself in that position that many times, it's, at some point it's going gonna, it's gonna to click. Don't no tell doubt. Bryson that, man. <laughs> before, Bryson before wants every, every ounce of everything. Uh, I, I kind of find it, like Bob was saying, it's, it's the same thing, you know, when you get Tiger Woods and Stevie Williams. Um, you know, it's hard to say if, if Stevie, what if Stevie lost Tiger some tournaments? What if he won Tiger some tournaments? You can't determine that. It, it kind of relates to other sports where you got this great team and you have a coach and like, does the coach, is the coach making the team great or is the great team making the coach seem greater than they are? It's, yeah. it's, it's a, and you also funny. only see some moments. It's like in the, 2008 U.S. Open, like you said, the 72nd hole. Everyone knows what happened, the third shot there. Who knows, maybe on the 17th hole he made a mistake and cost him a shot there. Maybe he gained him a shot there, and the only reason he was even in contention was because right. right. happened earlier. Right. Exactly. Good point. Yep. It's a game that, dude, you, you, you never know. You never know what will happen unless it's actually executed. You know what I mean? You, the what-ifs are – there's so many variables and so many things going on and so much testosterone going through the body, especially in the second shot, you know, into a green on the 72nd hole. Dude, you only can judge it so well. And at the end of the day, you have to play to where you think your best miss is. And that's a golf is a game of misses. And I've said it since I was eight, nine years old. It's a game of misses and how well you can control your misses, not how good you are hitting the, how to hitting the, you know, the good golf shots. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Before we, before we move on from this, I wanted to bring up something else with Fina. Everyone obviously talked about how he struggled to win. But I want to sort of play devil's advocate. I actually sort of think this way. It's not like tennis where Roger Federer, you expect him to win every time. Or even like hockey, the best teams you expect them to win. Golf, like you said, no one's won more than twice. So Fina, the last five years, everyone said he hasn't been able to close. He lost a couple of playoffs. It's a couple of shots here and there. He hasn't really struggled the last five years, though. He's had over 30 top tens. He's made over 20 million bucks. It's not like uh, Spieth when he went two years struggling or Fowler, who hasn't had many top tens the last couple of years, or Matthew Wolf. Fina was putting himself in contention week after week, and it was just like someone else was better. And I sort of think Fino has been like an elite player the last five years. He just has someone bound to get unlucky and not win. Yeah, yeah I mean, just, look, he's, he's hovered around the top ten in the world for most of that time. I mean, uh, Despite not winning, it tells you something about his consistency and, you know, how often he's finished up there. If you, you know, it's hard to be in the top 10 if you don't win. Uh, and yet, and he hasn't. He Ooh, hasn't, he won, he hasn't won. thinks otherwise. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't won for five years and, and still managed to hover around there. He, you know, he made a Ryder Cup and President's Cup teams during that time without winning, um, uh, you know, made them on his own. So, uh, you're right. I mean, there, that's the other side of it. I mean, it, it'd be another story, too, if, if he weren't up there so much. You know, sometimes we tend to, you know, if a, guy, if a guy's out of mind, out of sight, out of mind, and isn't contending, it's almost like he gets more of a pass than the guy who, who's continually there and doesn't 100%. win. Yeah, you exactly. Know? So, we be, yeah, we wouldn't uh, be talking about Fee now if, if he wasn't as good as he is and not winning. Although the we talk about Smiley say, Kaufman a lot on this podcast, <laughs> all the time. The, the one thing I will say about Tony, though, is since, the, since Riviera this year, he really had not contended much. So he had fallen off. I mean, he was tied for eighth at the, uh, at the PGA, and, and uh, you know, I think he had a decent uh, open, uh, British Open. But, like, he wasn't up there like he had been. And so that's why I think some of the shine had come off a little bit in terms of the Ryder Cup. And yet now – and then, you know, this time he gets himself there and pulls through, and the way he pulled through was impressive. So if we're, if we're on this side, you know, I'm just going to ask Bob, maybe to have a little different take on it, about Ustazer. 
it's kind of the same realm as female has been of not being able to get the job done. What is it in the majors? I mean, he's there every single friggin' time. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and, and I, you know, he might get a little bit more scrutiny. Uh, you know, if you go to the, you go to the U S open, um, on the, on the 71st hole, the 17th at Torrey, he missed it in the one place. You can't miss it. Right. You can't, yeah. you can't, you can't hit it in the Canyon, yeah. you know, and, and he did. And then on 18, now, of course, by this point, we already knew he needed an Eagle. And I think that's a big ask, but you can't, you know, you can't miss the fairway there. Right. You know, you've just got to be able to give yourself a chance to go for that green and two. And, and yet what's funny is probably the thing that people think has held him back is his putting uh, at times. He's got the great golf swing, you know, that very nice rhythmic swing that just looks like it's so smooth. One of the go back. Yeah. One of the best, but you know, when you go back to the PGA with Phil, you know, he missed a couple of big tee shots on the weekend. And, you know, that, frankly, you know, as nicely as Phil played and as great of a story as that was, it was sort of there for the taking on Sunday. You know, I think Phil shot even par on Sunday. Now, look, conditions were not easy. Certainly, it was very windy. It was a hard golf course. But, you know, to step up and win a major, you, sometimes you got to shoot under par. And, and, you know, Louis shot over par on that Sunday. So, you know, clearly there's something there. Obviously, same thing at the Open. You know, he's playing in uh, the last group with Morikawa. You know, he's, you know, he's, play, he's playing, playing against a guy he has tons more experience than and whom he hits the ball farther than. You know, those should be big advantages. Uh, and yet he just, you know, he just he, – he didn't come through. It wasn't like it was bad luck. You know, he, he hit some bad shots too. So that's a tough one because, you know, he does have – he does have the one major. He's got 10 or 12 wins in Europe. Uh, and uh, it's just a bit of a mystery how he's had all these seconds in, uh, in majors and not come through. Let me ask you this then, because I think we all have our opinions on this. We've talked about it before. Is he a, is he a lock for the Hall of Fame, or what do you think, Bob? Uh, are you talking about uh, Louis? Who says him, yep. Yeah, I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. Um, you know, look, I think the Hall of Fame has gotten a little bit watered down. I don't think it's, a, you know, I, 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 it's, it's become a hall of, of very good instead of great. I would agree. You, know, I, um, you know, I think the standards are just too low. Um, you know, I, it's, it's uh, when guys – look, no, no, no knock on Fred Couples whatsoever, but he had 15 wins and one major. And he's in, you know, and uh, yeah. I th- yeah, obviously he was injured and a lot, you know, he missed a lot of time. But the bottom line is he, he doesn't really have the numbers. I, I would think 20 wins should be a minimum, you know, like Dustin Johnson's probably a Hall of Famer, 20 plus wins and two majors. That makes sense to me, you know, uh, less than that. And now Louis wins. Look, not to diminish the European tour, but a good number of his wins were in South Africa, which were co-sanctioned with the Sunshine Tour. So it's not even necessarily even a, a fully strong European tour event. So I don't know. That's a tough one. And now you get a second major, you add a couple of more PGA Tour wins, and I think that discussion changes just because of the number of guys who've gotten in at those numbers. Yeah, it seems like that's all that really matters when you're talking about Hall of Fame is – wins and majors and um i mean to me it's i gotta look at the era they're playing into obviously Usazen um and a lot of guys suffered from uh performing um at a high level during the tiger woods era and him gobbling up so many of those opportunities but yeah i mean that to me that's tough to swallow him not getting in the hall of fame just of how big of a player he's been uh, throughout this generation. Yeah, Dude, one thing about Ustazen that I will forever remember, I don't know why this sticks out, and I'll be 85 years old, mm-hmm. home, watching golf, you know, it's, it's five years from now. And watching, I will always remember Ustazen on number two at Augusta 
this is probably, I don't know, four or five years ago, and he jarred it for double eagle. And I thought that was his time. And it's crazy to think now that he still has not really – I mean, he's obviously made a name for himself, obviously had a career, but it hasn't come to – I mean, he was big back then and playing well like he is, basically the same stuff he is now, and really hasn't pulled through – to it, sad to see that because you know a couple of putts or a couple of, a couple of shots go a different way, and you could have a career that's heavily talked about, not one that's kind of downplayed. You know what I mean? That was the year he lost to Bubba in the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, twenty twelve, right? Yeah, exactly. So you know, he actually got it to the playoff. Um, you know, but he, you know, to be three under par on one hole. You know, and then, you know, he got obviously he, he, uh, people forget too that despite that great shot from the woods by Bubba, he didn't make it birdie there. He made a par. Yeah. You know, he, so he won with a par. Yeah. So, you know, Louis, Louis made a mistake on that hole. So, uh, yeah, you know, you're right. There's, uh, and look, I'm trying to think now. Look, some of the, some of his runner ups and majors were were more coming from far back but like i at, at st andrews in 2015 he was in the playoff uh the the one that zach johnson won uh you know he, obviously that was a great opportunity the masters with bubba um he uh he came back from a, i think he shot 79 the first round at uh chambers bay in 2015 to finish second Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, so that one is more of a, you know, it's kind of hard to blame them for not winning that one. Uh, right. But, you know, you're right. When, when you've been runner-up in all the majors, um, it's funny how just getting one would, would change that narrative a lot. You get a second major, now it's like, wow, he had two, two wins and eight runner-ups. Wow, what a great career. Instead, we're looking at all the missed opportunities. Exactly, yep. Yep. Yeah, well, fellas, we got to move on. We got to move sure. on from this because we got a big golf event this week. It's the BMW Championship. Uh, Bob, what have you uh, what have you seen from this course? There seems to be a lot of mystery because obviously it's the first time they're playing there. What are your thoughts going into it? Is it going to be the Bombers' paradise? Some are making it out to be. Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I, I think we really have to wait and see. I mean, um, it's so hard to predict. I mean, I wouldn't have thought the scoring would be as low last week as it was, and um, you know, they, obviously the course got softened up a good bit, but, uh, uh, even before all that rain, um, this is a big co- course, but, um, I noticed they, they don't tend to set them up overly difficult. Um, in other words, while they're not easy, um, they're also not extremely penal because they don't want these guys to be, you know, frustrated and playing out of the rough you know you might have heard Rory talking about you know sort of being out of gas it's been a long season they're playing a lot of events towards the end here and the last thing they want to do I think is make it so that these guys are struggling so that's not to say they make it easy but I think they a little they err a little bit on the side of easier and so that should lead to some good scoring. You guys see Rory apparently like chucked his three wood onto the highway or something. <laughs> yeah, he got so frustrated, I guess he decided to toss it. That was on Monday. So uh, you know, hey, even the best get get tired and and you know, look, you know, these guys who went to the Olympics, you know, they were at the open in England, they come home, they go all the way to Tokyo, then they come back to Memphis and play a tournament and we'll, 90 degree heat. Now we're just a couple weeks after that. It's, you know, it's been a, it's been a grind, you know, and I know, Oh, it's only golf or, you know, boy, I'd love to have that problem. Well, you know, (laughs) look when it's your livelihood and it it is, yeah, it might only be golf, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of bumps and bruises in golf, a lot of nagging little injuries back, legs, knees, ankles, hitting ball after ball after ball. You know. uh, more than that, though, I think because the only reason I say that is being a caddy and seeing, being able to see and feel what goes on every week. It's gnarly, man. I love it, and I, I love it 
more than anything, but having to do everything you need to do at home and then doing it on the road while traveling, traveling and doing your job 24 seven, traveling five, six, seven weeks in a row, dude, it gets gnarly. And the people, there's some people that scoff at, Oh, why do they have agents? And why do they have this? Why? Well, cause you need it. Like it's hard, man. There's a yeah. lot going on. It's a long run. These guys get deep into this season, especially with all the COVID stuff that's been going on. And it's, dude, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's hard. It's fun. It's what they love to do. But at the end of the day, it's, it takes a toll on you. Well, yeah, you know, uh, you don't have a teammate to pick you up. Right. You know, if, if you're having, you know, if, if, uh, I don't know, you know, just pick a, a pitcher in baseball. If he has a bad day, uh, well, you know, maybe his teammates back him up by getting more runs, you know, and they make up for him, you know, whereas in golf, you know, nobody's making up for you. If you're making a bunch of bogeys, you're going to miss the cut. And, and, um, and in order, in order to be in that position, you know, you have to have your mind into it. You can't just show up on Thursday. You got to learn the golf course. You got to practice. And when you're playing tournament, 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 three weeks in a row, you know, um, Look, that's what, uh, like this during this playoff stretch, if, if you include the Wednesday, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, what is that, uh, 15 rounds of golf on three different courses, different surfaces, uh, different temperatures, um, the travel in between. Uh, this week, that nobody, you know, really knows the course. So now you got to put in a little extra effort. Eastlake in Atlanta is a little bit different, especially, the, you know, the guys who've been there. Um, you know, they, they can show up probably – they can probably play nine holes on Tuesday and Wednesday and get by because they know the course. They've played it so many times. But this week, not at all, you know. And, I mean, th there's too much at stake to not try to learn it. And so, especially these guys who played on Monday, they had to get there Tuesday, try to play a little bit Tuesday. Wednesday's a pro-am, 18-hole pro-am. Um, you know, it's uh, – and, and again, then you throw in the hitting the balls and, and all the walking and what about, what about the that, are, that are kind of struggling trying to grind something out in their golf swing? Right, you know? sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I realize it's not a contact sport, but it's you know, if if you get some little niggling, niggling injuries, it impacts your swing. You make it getting bad habits. Um, you know, all sorts of stuff goes on, and I think that's why you know it's it's hard to maintain that level. Uh, I, I mean, look, it, if anything, it should probably make us appreciate Tiger even more um, what he was able to do for so long because it's just not normal. I mean, even the best players. I mean, look at, uh, you know, look at Kevin Kisner who just won in, in, in uh, Greensboro. The week before he shot 79 on Sunday in, in Memphis. Then he comes back, he, he gets in that playoff, he wins, and then he, he, he kind of struggled at the Northern Trust. I mean – you know, it's, it's just hard to maintain, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's just, that's the type of game that it is. Yeah. So we want, we want to get to the Ryder Cup in a bit, but mm -hmm. as we do every week, we have a lot of listeners who are either betting or doing daily fantasy. So we like to give one pick and one long shot for who we think is going to win every event. So Bob, we'll start with you because you, know, you can't pick the same guy. So you get the honors of first pick. Oh, wow. Well, then I'm going with the easy one. I'm going with Rom. I just, I just think you know, for for when 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 it's a golf course that nobody knows and there's not that much of an advantage, and he just comes off of kind of a, I don't want to say a tough loss, but you know, what with with four holes to go, he led, uh, or, or he was right there, and he ends up not even getting in the playoff. I'm sure that stings a little bit, you know, and as well as he's played this year. And, and like, you know, obviously there was the whole memorial thing with where he did lead and probably was going to win, but he's only won once. Kind of hard to believe as well as he's played as strong as he's been. So I got to believe there's some motivation there. So I'm going to go with John Rahm. Uh, what about a long shot this week? Anyone you like down the board? I am going with the longest of long shots, and that's going to be Phil at number 70, the last guy in. Wow. Got, you know, he's not done really anything other than win the PGA. Um, he's got nothing to lose, uh, really. I, um, I don't know if he quite has the, his game together to do it. I watched him a good bit last week. 
And, you know, Phil is sort of, I think, still struggling with consistency off the tee. I mean, it's, um, you know, he gets on these runs of making birdies and then he gives it all back, you know. So, but look, if you're looking for a long shot, why not a guy who, you know, what, what has he got to lose right now? You know, might as well go for it and, and uh, maybe with a little bit more of a wide open ballpark, it'll, it'll suit him. All right. I like that. I like that. Um, you know, my pick is a guy who's younger. Um, and I don't know how much, how much of a long shot. He's actually not a long shot at all. He's a good player, young player. Um, he will win majors in his career. And Boston uh, last year. Reed, what's going on? We hear the TV behind you. I think. But uh, that is Victor Hovland. I think Victor Hovland is going to come through this mm-hmm. week. Um, I think he is someone who really doesn't give a shit about the circumstances or anything of that nature. Um, and a long shot. I don't know how much of a long shot he actually is because we're down to, you know, the number of points we are and it's you know, kind of a small field. Um, but Slogan JM really hasn't been talked about a lot. And he's starting to slip out of people's minds. And he's yeah. starting to kind of go. And Slogan JM is someone who can win at any given moment. I like it. I'm I, pretty sure I got both those guys in the fantasy lineup this week. Just saying. Could be, could be on the up and up. <laughs> Nolan will go to you first, though. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is a big-time tournament. Um, big time players step up in in these sort of moments. Um, I, I've been I've been debating it kind of back and forth. I love the John Rom pick. It reminds me of uh, him winning after getting COVID. You know, kind of mm-hmm. uh, wasn't like almost slided out of one victory, and then is like, all right, I'm just gonna go win the next one. Um, but let's see. Cam Smith is is up there, but I I don't know for whatever reason uh, I'm feeling Brooks Kepka this week. I, I rarely pick him, um, but exactly. maybe the, yeah. <laughs> because Hunter maybe Mahan's not in the field this week, so uh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll be a week where he shines through. Who knows? What about a long uh, shot? You want my long shot too? So let's go. Um, a guy who played pretty good last week, um, and he's way down the list on odds. I'm going with Tom, Tom Hoagie, uh, to, to get it done. Who knows? I don't know. Don't hate it for my picks. Going to go a, a little bit of a guy who's struggled, but he's one of the best golfers in the world. I feel like three weeks ago we were talking that this guy's the best golfer in the world. Colin Morikawa, everyone just forgot about him. His approach game has been pretty shoddy, I guess you could say. And for him, it's like he's lost like half a shot in approach last week, and people are like, what's going on? Because he usually gains six strokes. But he missed the cut. And listen to this insider information I received. Apparently, he had a golf lesson after missing the cut with his swing coach. I think he's got it all back. He's got everything figured out. He's going to come back, swing the hot stick. It seems like the rough isn't too penal at this course. So I think he's just going to be firing at pins all week. I expect Colin Morikawa to win. My that, long shot, however, that can't be true. Zach Colin Morikawa doesn't do golf lessons. He's just that's just true. perfect. I don't, don't understand. Like in all these sports, why do these guys have lessons? Like they're just better than everyone. Just too good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my long shot, though, Sergio Garcia. Guy makes what? birdies with the best of them. One thing people have forgotten this year, Bryson bombs it. Finau bombs it. Sergio also bombs it. He's been crushing the ball. He's like top five in driving distance. One of the best off the tee. I mean, fairways, at first I was hearing, I mean, like uh, Bob said before, it's like no one seems to know about this course. Like first I heard people were saying the fairways were thinning out of places. Then I was hearing the fairways aren't too hard to hit. The rough's not so bad. So I think Sergio could get it out there. We saw at the start of this season, or I guess at the start of the second half of this season, he was playing some great golf, contending week after week, and I think he's got a great shot to compete this week. So that's my long shot of the week. 
I like it, Zach. That's a, that's a good take there. I, I really hadn't looked at him, but uh, someone that I think can, can do some damage without even looking at him. But, uh, yeah, with that, we'll see what happens. Hopefully one of us gets it right. You know, I had Fina right last week, at least in fantasy purposes. Nothing else. But uh, yeah. That was all thanks to me, right, Zach? When we were talking after the pod, I was like, oh, man, I wish you could take Finau and Smith. Yeah, I texted <laughs> Nolan. I said, I said, should I take Finau and Matsuyama or Reed and Smith? And he's like, yeah. oh, I wish you could take Smith and Finau, but I couldn't. So all the money would have been given to me, all of it. That would have been amazing. I mean, uh, you, I think we still want to get into some Ryder Cup talk before we uh, do that with Bob here. We got to talk about matchstick golf real quick. Uh, if you're a listener to the pod, you know you know match matchstick golf is one of our favorite ball ball markers out there, designed locally here in Portland, Oregon. So shout out to Portland. Um, man, they hit it on the head. They don't give you those giant heavy pog slammers. Um, they're they're clever with their sizing. They're about the size of a quarter, and um, you know. They've got all these cool, unique designs. They've got, they've got a nice creamsicle for these summer days. They've got a floppy disk that'll help you save your spot on the on the greens. Um, so they're a real fun fun brand out there right now, uh, making waves. Um, if you miss their thirty percent off uh, discount, uh, go ahead. We've got a ten percent off. Use the code back ten and uh, check them out at matchthegolf.com. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's get into it here. The the Ryder Cup's coming up. Uh, Nolan, I guess, what do you, you're a big Ryder Cup guy, I feel like, of the group. Yeah, big, big USA pride right here. Um, of any of this. <laughs> yeah, unfor- unfortunately, the Canadians left out. We already have the President's Cup. <clears throat> um, but this is the last week, correct me if I'm wrong, for them to get in via autom- automatic qualifying. Um, if I'm looking at it, uh, Finau jumped ahead into that last automatic qualifying spot in the sixth spot. And the U.S. also has Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, DeChambeau. Wow, that would be fun, DeChambeau and Kepka. Uh, DJ and Marikawa uh, locked in. So there's Bob. I guess I want to ask you. Um, we were talking about it a little last week. The USA seems to stay pretty chalky when it comes to the Ryder Cup selections and their President's Cup or in their captain's picks, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, do you see this year maybe being a year where a guy like Kevin Kisner sneaks in because of his good match playability and he just won recently, so he's in good form? Or what are you thinking? When you give yourself six picks, I think you'd be silly not to think outside the box a little bit. I mean, that's the whole point of it. And let's be honest, the, way, the qualifying system doesn't necessarily identify the best guys for match play. You know, it's a, it's a stroke play system where they earn points based on money over a long period of time. Guys have – now, granted, the points are more this year, but guys were earning points for the Ryder Cup in 2019 at the majors and the WGCs. Um, they were earning points last year. Dustin Johnson, now look, he was, he's going to be on that team. It would have been anyway. You'd, you'd want him on there. But the reason he's already qualified for a spot is due to stuff he did six months ago. It's really not anything he's done recently. You know? And so the, the way we pick the team is just a guide to me. And if you're going to give yourself six spots, why would you then go with seven, eight, nine, and ten automatically? You know, I mean, you, you might as well think of who you have and how the other guys can fit in. And, and look, you've got right now, you know, Spieth isn't in, but I got to believe he's a pick. So JT and Spieth were a really good Ryder Cup team in France. They were, they were one of the few good ones. Yeah, that's right? brutal. They, Don't bring that up again. <laughs> they went, you know, they went three and one. Morikawa played with Cantlay. Uh, in uh, Melbourne, and they went two and two, but that was a very tight, you know, President's Cup. The bottom line is they they were a good team, and you should build on that. They've played alternate shot together, and they've they've played you know the best ball together. Why would you want to mess that up? So Cantley is a guy that you probably want to pick. 
um, Morikawa can probably play with anyone. So, you know, maybe he's your guy to play with Bryson uh, uh, in, in a match or so. I mean, you got to believe that Morikawa is going to play all five matches. You got to play. Uh, I, I, I think I misspoke. I said Morikawa and Cantley. It's Xander and Cantley in, 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 uh, in Australia. So there's five guys right there that, that, uh, that are, are pretty solid for your team, right? Who's Brooks going to play with? Who's DJ going to play with? You're looking, I think, in your picks for partners for them. You know, and so who, who's, who's going who's to be okay then? The Patrick Reed situation clouds this. I would have thought for sure he'd be an obvious pick. You know, say what you want about him. You know, maybe is he disruptive or not? He, you know, he, he loves the Ryder Cup. He's, he's got a winning record, one of the few guys who does. He's great and to I, play with because his short game is off the charts. Yeah. But, you know, this, this thing that, you know, where he was just hospitalized with pneumonia and, you know, he could very easily get bumped from the Tour Championship now. And even if he doesn't, you wonder if he's going to be healthy enough to play. That means he'll have missed the four weeks of golf. Uh, and, and, you know, the Ryder Cup is three weeks after that. I, all of a sudden, that, you know, that makes his, his pick a little iffy. So I guess the way I'm answering your question is, is I definitely don't think they should go chalk. Um, because you've got this opportunity now to look at guys, how might they fit in? You mentioned Kisner. I don't think Kisner's a great match for whistling straights, but if you think he partners well with Dustin Johnson or Kepka or that his putting is an asset, then you should pick him. He doesn't have to play all the matches. You know, he's probably not going to. Same with a guy like, you know, like I like a guy like Jason Kokrak. How, how might him and Finau or him and DJ be at best ball? Those guys would probably make about 12 birdies, right? you know? And, and so I, I would rather that they think of it that way as opposed to, well, who's playing well now or who just did well at the tour championship. I just don't think that matters. It goes back to what I was saying earlier about Kisner. He was bad on Sunday. He wins the following Sunday and then he's not very good the next week. So uh, what's to say that just because you play well now, you're going to play well at the Ryder Cup in a month? So uh, I think look at the matchups. You've given yourself this flexibility with six picks. You know, is, is, uh, is Billy Horschel a match? Is, 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 uh, is Kisner a match? Is, I, I don't think he – I think he's too far down. Zalatoris. Will Phil get any consideration? I don't think Phil's played well enough. But look, I could, if you told me I had to make an argument for Phil, my argument for Phil would be he'd be a, he'd be a good partner for, for Bryson in best yep. ball. Yep. I don't think Bryson should play alternate shot. You put Phil and Bryson out there in best ball on Thursday. If they stink up the joint, sit them till Sunday. But, <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, you know, in other words, if, that's, if your goal is I need to find somebody for Bryson, and that's what Stricker and the team thinks it is. And then maybe Phil's the guy, you know, uh, it, it shouldn't necessarily be, well, God, he hasn't played well for the last month or six weeks. I think it needs to be more based on, on some of those other factors. I don't think we do that enough. Right. I would agree. On the flip side, what, do you have any thoughts on the European team, Bob? I mean, they have it a little bit differently in the standings wise. They have like four qualifiers, for their Ryder Cup points, and then they take more more of a worldly approach to it. There's guys like uh, Robbie McIntyre is up there in the top ten. Uh, Wiesberger, um, I mean, the Ryder Cup. You know, as much as it hurts me to say that, in my lifetime has been European dominated, and whatever they do seems to work. Yeah, well, you know, they're. Right now, they've got three, three picks, and there's, there's three obvious guys who haven't qualified, Rose, Poulter, and Garcia. And I think you could do a lot worse than to just pick those three guys. Right. Um, uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter, you know, that they've not made it on their own or that, you know, maybe they haven't played as well as some other guys. Those guys have been incredible in the Ryder Cup. And there's nothing to say that they won't be again. Uh, and neither, none of them are playing so awful. In fact, they're all playing just well enough to be on the outside. Like Poulter, I thought, had a chance to make it. 
he kind of um, he needed to make it to. Uh, I thought if he could have made it to the BMW this week, he he could have improved his chances because he's in the world points part of it. Uh, but I mean, as good as he's been in the Ryder Cup, are you going to leave him out? Um, so, you know, I, I think Harrington would have pers- would prefer to see one of those guys make it uh, on their own. Uh, but doesn't look like that's going to happen. You know, Rose just narrowly missed the playoffs. You pick a guy who doesn't make the playoffs, I don't know. But I, I just think given their records, um, and, you know, look, they're going to be – on paper, they're not going to be favored, but they, they are – you know, think of, look at the guys they've got still. Rory, Rom, um, Hatton is strong. Fleetwood's not had a great year on the PJ Tour, but he's still solid. Paul Casey's um, had a great year. Yeah, Paul Casey, another one. You know, wow. so yeah. they're they're, they're going to be tough. They're going to be very tough. Is there yeah. someone from the European side you think people don't really know of who might surprise some people heading into it? I'm trying to think where Alex Noren is, if he's if he's in there or not, because he's he's one of those guys who just sort of always lurks. He always. Yeah. I don't and, think and, he's. I don't. I don't think he would get in automatically, but you got to think he's going to be there. Yeah, I mean, well, see, then that you know, they've only got three picks, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how how that breaks down because you know, I I think somebody pretty good is going to get left out. I mean, you know, there's some um, guys who yeah who've played some great golf on the European tour, even like a guy looking way down, Richard Bland, who played great at the Open, at the U.S. Open. And, I mean, he's played – I think he's won twice on the European Tour. He's an older guy. But they they have some depth, the European guys. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, Wiesberger is another one that I think isn't a bad thought either. Um, uh, you know, he's yeah. he's played played some pretty solid golf and, and, and isn't really, you know, thought of all that much. Uh, but uh, um, you're right. I mean, they've – there's some names that we don't know uh, as well because they're not, they don't play over here as often. Um, but, uh, yeah, just looking up Alex Norm while we're talking. He's ranked 70th in the world, which is it, – it's unusual for somebody that low to be in the Ryder Cup. Um, and so, uh, you know, maybe perhaps that's not going to happen. But, you know, they've got, they've got plenty of good choices. And I remember, you know, the last time – there was all kinds of speculation about, you know, he, he went with Bjorn, went with the older guys. You know, Sergio ended up, you know, earning enough points to have the most points in European Ryder Cup history. Um, you know, his, his older guys really came through, you know. So now are you going to that route too many times if you do it again this year? Um, I don't know. You know, he's going to have some rookies on the team. They're going to be playing at a place where there's going to be virtually no European fans due to travel restrictions. Um, you might want to have some guys that really thrive in that atmosphere. And again, you know, 18 hole match play isn't stroke play. Uh, so, uh, uh, and those guys have proven time and time again that, that who's favored doesn't matter. Yeah. And yeah, we, we mentioned it before whistling straights is a different kind of course where you almost got to weigh that pretty heavily of who can play well at that course. It's not, it's not just anybody's course. Um, someone I'm really looking forward to watch watching. And I, I, I think he has to be a pick. I'm not sure he's auto qualified yet is, is Victor Hovland. Um, that would be, I think his first Ryder cup and kind of team experience. Well, I'm sure he's played in other team events. Um, in his amateur days, but he not um, auto qualified though. I think he has qualified, or I think okay. he's, I think he's in there um, with the world points. Maybe yeah, yeah. So. I'm pretty sure. And I mean, so but you know, you're right. There is a guy who's not done this before. Obviously, a great young player, um, and uh, I, you know, Lee Westwood's another one who is gonna looks like he's gonna make it on his own. Uh, so they, they've got some, you know, they've got some experience, you know, especially with Rory, uh, Westwood, um, you know, that either, you know, at least two out of three of Sergio Poulter and Rose are going to make it. 
Um, so, uh, you know, they've got some guys that have played. And uh, Hatton's, you know, quite the fiery competitor. Um, and he played in the last one. Uh, so, did, uh, so did Fleetwood. And he was very, very good. You know, the guy who's sort of on the outside, uh, you know, with seemingly no chance is Molinari, who was so good the last time. Right. You know, just was just was nails, went five and oh and you know, just had a dream rider come. For sure. Yeah, I mean but here we are again. I mean you look at these you look at these teams and the US it just is stacked and you know, nobody would be surprised if the US loses. And I don't know if it's a a flattening of the earth situation we have. Obviously the President's Cup was very tight. Um but it seems like, you know, there's there's more and more talent um everywhere you look. So um it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be a fun fun rider cup. A- again, that's a very interesting point about the travel restrictions on you know, there probably will be very minimal um European fans out there. So it'll be hyper USA dominated. Um which is an advantage. Yep. If it is, it'll be Europeans who live over here. Mm-hmm. Right. Norm- normally there would be, you know, several thousand who would travel from there, but there, it's just very difficult to do so in this t- current climate. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a factor to consider. If it, You know, that, I think that does, that does weigh a little bit. You know, and it might be uh, sort of – negated a little bit by the fact that the course I don't think favors the U.S. like other Ryder Cup courses, like, like Hazeltine clearly did. This one, not so much. You know, it's, it's a, um, you know, obviously there's no such thing as a Lynx really in the U.S., but it's more Lynx style. Um, it's, uh, it's long. It's not easy. And uh, uh, I, I don't necessarily think it, it, it favors the sort of bomb and gouge mentality that we like. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to require a li- little bit more than that. So it's going to be fun, though. I think it's going to be great as usual. It, always, it almost never disappoints. Yeah, well, I agree. Everyone's looking forward to it. Bob, we want to thank you. Before we wrap things up, as we do every week, we like to pander to our fans. So with that, Reed, we're going to get some a little trivia to wrap things up. Yeah, Bob, so, uh, you may not know, but every week I do a little trivia fact. Uh, either where, where one of the tours are at, it's usually the PGA. Uh, with them being in uh, Baltimore City this week, in 1851, Baltimore City became what? in which it was the largest one of these in the United States. A, the largest retailer of hats. B, the largest distributor of boats. C, the largest entry point for immigrants. Or D, the largest independent city. Oh, my. (laughs) Retailer of boats. I'm going with retailer of boats. I'm all in on that. All right, retailer of boats, Zach. Um, uh, I'm going to go with the lids. I'm going to go with the hats. Okay, no one? <laughs> Bob? I'm going with the boats. Well, you know, it's, it's unfortunate to say we haven't had a podcast in a while where no one gets it correct. No, no. <laughs> but in 1851 – Baltimore City, and currently, I, I, I don't know if it's current, but Baltimore City became the largest independent city in the United States. Okay. Wow. And I, it may be like that now. Um, I, I don't, I mean, let's see here. I'm going to look it up right Uh the city of Baltimore has been separate from Baltimore County, Maryland, since the adoption of the Maryland Constitution in 1851. Wow. So, believe it or not, Baltimore City, not Baltimore, Baltimore City is an independent, uh, an independent city there in Maryland. 
Love, love it. it. That's that's some good background research you did there. I love it. I, you know, I was gonna. I forgot to tell you. You see, the whole the Jeopardy host he's got in the boot. You could be the uh, second host now. Hey, you never know what kind of little fun facts you can come up with. That's a good one. I enjoyed that. Excellent. And Nolan, <laughs> we had to a little Tiger fun fact of the week. Yeah, of course, Tiger fact of the week. Um, this is a very special week um, for those who might not know. Today is the 25th anniversary of Tiger Woods winning his U.S. Amateur in my backyard, nonetheless, at Pumpkin Ridge over here in Oregon. Um, so that simply is it. Just the fact that um, a great, great player he beat, Steve Scott. Um, there's some awesome coverage and books and stories about that epic showdown um, and about just how much of – a great atmosphere that was um and here's to uh hoping that we can bring more golf back to the state of oregon so i don't have to travel as far to watch it yeah we we spoke to steve scott way back in the day about it you guys whoever's with you got to go check that out that was a quality talk but bob on behalf of all of us thanks so much for making the time i'm sure everyone learned a lot we got some good insight on what's going on a couple pga tour rules on when you could finish events and <laughs> yep. We'll see Useless you info on the From the Back Tees podcast. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thank you for listening to From the Back Tees. Toward the hole, and it's in with Bernie. We hope you enjoyed today's show. For more information and updates, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at From the Back Tees. I'm going to enjoy it for the rest of my life. See you next week. Be the ball, man.